0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host Jordan, and as always I'm joined by my co-host Jimmy. How's it going today? Good. Good, good. So we're going to start off in the NBA today as there's actually been a lot going on right now. So um, first we'll start a little bit closer to home because the Pistons are still looking for their new gm at the moment and originally it was rumored that chauncey billups was in the running to be the new gm but it's apparently he wanted to be the full gm and according to rumors he was only going to be the assistant they weren't going to give him the full role so it still could be a possibility that he gets that assistant gm role after we get our gm but we'll have to wait and see but according to Bleacher Report, they have narrowed their search down to three candidates at the moment, and those three candidates are the Clippers Assistant General Manager Mark Hughes, Nets Assistant General Manager Jeff Peterson, and Thunder Vice President of Operations Troy Weaver. So my first initial thoughts when I look at this is, again, you, you just got to look at, for personally, those names don't exactly stand out to me, again, as I'm not that big into the nba's i must follow the nfl but i just look at the teams and how they've been built over the last few years and i know the clippers they've went out and acquired two superstars and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and same thing with the Nets I know they went from bottom of the league to making the playoffs the last couple of years and then we all know that the Thunder have kind of just been blown up in the last couple of years by losing most their significant players so they're all definitely um, interesting possibilities and I know you don't exactly follow the NBA as much as you do the NFL but what are your just initial thoughts when you hear these teams and names thrown out there?
1: Yeah, I don't know any of these guys. Uh, Just my background, I used to be a huge Piston fan in the Bad Boy era. Mm -hmm. Enormous Piston fan as much as I was a Lions fan, but the past 20, 25 years, I sort of lost my Piston fandom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still follow the NBA, though, but I don't know any of these assistant GM guys, so I don't really have much to say about them.
0: Yeah, I agree. Again, I don't really know the name specifically, but I just got to kind of look at the team. So... Personally, again, when I think, I know it's been really hard to be a Pistons fan these last couple of years, especially I think the last decade, they haven't even made the playoffs. Or no, they, excuse me, they've made the playoffs, but they haven't made it past the first round in over, I think, the last decade. So it's been tough being a Pistons fan. Well, making
1: the playoffs in the NBA is not anything impressive.
0: Exactly. They to cut the NBA playoff teams. I agree. I've always said that, and that's why the, it's, the first round in the NBA playoffs is always a crap show. Usually the only round or the only significant seeds worth watching is the fifth and sixth seed, because those are usually the only ones that were actually somewhat very competitive in that. But usually the first round, it's always first, second, third seeds are usually all automatically always move on.
1: Yeah, I agree. They're a waste of time, mm-hmm. which is why I think it might... Seems like a mistake, or seems silly to have 22 teams going to this NBA bubble. We'll talk about that in a little
0: bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a it's an outrageous number. But anyways, yeah, I personally, I think again with uh, looking at just what the Nets have done in the last few years, and I know he's still Jeff Peterson is the assistant GM, but he's been there through that rebuild and just seeing them. Are you getting? It's been mostly young talent. They haven't gone out and got super. I mean, no, I know now they have. Um, kevin durant and kyrie irving but prior to that this they got to the success by just drafting young talent and acquiring picks and stuff so they did it the right way and then they got the superstars wanting to come to their city after they're making the playoffs so again maybe we could see that in the next couple of years if he comes to detroit he can rebuild that type of success here
1: yeah my question would be how much impact do the gms even have in recruiting these players because you Mm -hmm. saw what happened to kevin durant this Mm -hmm. past year he signed up with the Nets without even talking to the team. Mm
2: -hmm. He
1: didn't visit the team. Uh, I heard that he'd even talked to, I think, the GM or the owner. He just decided, oh, okay, I'm gonna go there. Kari's there, we're just gonna team up there. And it had nothing to do with the GM. So part of me wonders how much impact these GMs even have creating championship level rosters exactly it's so much up to the players
0: mm-hmm. where they want to go who they
1: want to play
0: with these days yeah it's funny you mentioned that because it feels like the players organize some of these trades and scenarios way more than any of the actual gms doing like you mentioned them they feels like they don't have any effect in recruiting because as i mentioned earlier with the clippers how they have both Kawhi leonard and paul george but was that really Again, them being recruited to the Clippers, or that, was that them just saying, let's go to the Clippers and rival LeBron James and try to beat the Lakers in L.A.? Because they were already somewhat good at that point, adding two superstars would just elevate them, so
1: do they just want to live in L.A. because they have some buddies there or their wife likes
0: it there? Exactly. And the same thing with LeBron James and A.D., like that whole thing. We all knew when um, Anthony Davis was still in New Orleans that he was gone halfway through his last season there. So he was going to L.A. It was all foreseen for so long.
1: Yep, exactly. And Magic Johnson quit halfway through the season because <laughs> they just have no impact. They have no power.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then they just get scrutinized or fined for any comments they make for considering it tampering, according to the NBA. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons Magic quit, so he could start saying what he actually felt.
0: Yeah. To worry about any tampering charge. Exactly. Okay. So, again, we'll move on from that, but we're still sticking in the uh, NBA. And, um,. I know there's been a lot of controversy in the NBA regarding the return of the season with some of the players basically refusing to play and encouraging others to do so as well. These concerns are both related to the coronavirus fears as well as just the state of the world and why they believe that they shouldn't be playing currently in this. Um, It kind of reminds me a little bit of the NFL CBA back when, again, you kind of had some of the older players telling the younger players to vote no and blah 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 and all this i kind of feel like it's that and i feel like it's again like we just mentioned earlier how players have more power in the nba than certain head coaches or gms i think this is just some of the veteran players trying to again i don't want to say like get their way but i guess i can't really think i'm a lack of a better terms but i really think it's more like again, how many players in the NBA have already made their millions of dollars? There's way more younger players that need that money and haven't had a paycheck in three months. And again, I think just trying to provide some type of support and relief for the entire world is just great to have sports back in general. I don't think that they're trying to conform or whatever some of the players are trying to say. I guess I know you've got a lot you want to say on this, Jimmy. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, there there's going to be so many different player camps here. Uh, they're going to have different opinions about whether they're wanting to play or not. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving was the most high-profile person recently. He was expressing doubts about whether the season should even resume. Mm -hmm. And I can absolutely see the player perspective of not wanting to do that because the work environment at Disney in this sort of bubblish format is vastly different than the one they signed up for Mm -hmm. and the one they're accustomed to. So if a player is financially secure, has already made a ton of money, or they have a lot of future years with guaranteed money on their contracts, which is how the NBA has it set up from a contract standpoint, mm-hmm. then there's minimal to no financial incentive to wanting to deal with the hassle and headache and unpleasantness of this bubble.
0: Exactly. And the NBA has said that you can, um, players can refuse to play. They just won't get paid. That's the only thing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's going to be a lot Easier said than done for players who want to opt out. Mm. You're going to have peer pressure from their teammates, from the teams, from the coaches, mm-hmm. from their families, from society, and fans in general. How, how is a player going to say, "I'm just not going to play" when ninety or the rest ninety percent or the rest of their teammates are playing? Right. So it's going to be too much peer pressure to say no. So I don't think that's really a realistic thing that players can do.
0: Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see, like you said, just between who plays and who doesn't play. Um, I honestly feel like a lot of big players who either have injury concerns or, as you mentioned, have already made millions of dollars are probably going to opt out. And they're probably, again, as you just mentioned, try to peer pressure some of the other younger players out. But I feel... I feel like it's just going to go I think it's going to go fine again because there's so many more players who actually need the money or have families or have other situations that they need or and they just again want to get out of their house and actually want to play some type of competitive sports. So I think it's going to go on and more I think more than 85 to 90% of players are actually going to be participating in the tournament if any not it's just going to be some of the bigger superstars.
1: Yeah, I think there are going to be three main groups of players. You have the superstars like Harden, LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, guys like that who could win a championship, have the teams to win a championship, and this would affect their legacy mm-hmm. if they won a championship. Then you have the stars who don't really have a realistic shot to win, either due to injury, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, or they're the second best guy on the team, so it really doesn't impact their legacy. Mm-hmm. Like We watched the last dance with the Bulls. Okay, Scotty Pippen won six championships. Do we say that he won six championships and he's one of the top five players ever know is Jordan who Mm -hmm. won the six championships so a guy like Paul George who's maybe the second best player on this team next to Kawhi Leonard it's not going to affect his legacy much right those guys have already made a ton of money and might not want to risk anything or any hassle to play Mm -hmm. The third group of players is like you mentioned the possibly 85% of players who are these fringe players or lower salary players guys five to 15 on the roster make between one and three million a year, they are not gonna wanna miss out on any salary because mm. their careers are not guaranteed. They might be out of the NBA at the end of the season. Right. They might only play in the NBA for two or three years. So losing out a 25% of their paycheck for one of those years is a massive deal for yeah. these guys. And those guys are generally younger too. And they don't have families, they don't have kids. So for them, it's not even necessarily a hassle to go into a bubble. It might be sort
0: of a, a fun thing. Exactly. A camp for a couple months. And that's what I was saying. As with a lot of these younger players being cooped up, especially like rookie or second year players, like, as, again, as you just mentioned, who don't have family or kids, they've just been cooped up in their apartments for so long, making very minimal money. They want to get out and they actually want to play something. They want to get back to a competitive sport. But one other thing I wanted to mention about this I know a lot of players are actually upset that they didn't get to vote on it, that it was just kind of decided by the. Um, the NBA committee approval, the approval committee or something like that. That was the one who did it. So um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that they should have gotten their chance to vote on it or?
1: I agree. This whole thing is going to be really difficult to resolve. I see storm clouds on the horizon here because there, I think we all need to prepare for a chance that the NBA season doesn't even happen Mm -hmm. because how do you negotiate Almost a brand new CBA just for mm. this year, which is mm-hmm. what they sort of have to do. Yeah, they're creating a totally different work environment, totally different schedule, and totally different payment plan for things. So, like you said, do they should they put this to a vote, or do they have the authority to just do what they want? Which I I don't think is right. Uh, players should have some kind of say. Yeah, in what's going on? I don't think they're there is a chance they might not be able to figure things out quickly enough mm-hmm. to have the season happen.
0: You're right. And that's we mentioned in the last episode when we were talking about this, that the date, I believe, is what, June or July 31st, and we were talking about why it was so far out, and it looks like this is why they pushed it so far out so they have time to try and get all this figured out.
1: Yeah, so talking about the dates, the, they released some of the tentative dates. They're going to start testing on June 23rd. They're going to leave for Disney World on July 7th.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the tentative schedule says on August 30th, a limited number of family and friends are permitted to visit for the first time, which means the players would be in two months of sort of isolation, just in hotels. Yeah. So th- those dates are sort of interesting. One thing that sort of bothers me about the NBA calling this a bubble is it's not a bubble. Mm-hmm. The players might not be able to leave, but the staff can all come and go like the housekeepers food service workers hvac guys plumbers it trainers they're not going to be in the bubble so if they're coming and going there is no bubble
0: exactly stop calling
1: this a bubble <laughs> so if there's not a bubble then maybe the players shouldn't be isolated either maybe just let everybody just do what they want and try to restrict movement but stop calling this thing a bubble
0: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. And the biggest thing that we need to determine about this is ultimately how this is going to affect next season because if they do end up playing this and it, they believe it's going to go into, what, September or October is when this is supposed to be over?
1: Well, the, it was initially supposed to be over October 12th, but then they realized Monday Night Football was that day, so they actually just moved it to October 13th. Yes. <laughs> we discussed this last episode that they do not want to compete with the NFL because the mm-hmm. NFL
0: going to crush them. Exactly. And again, the I believe the season is the NBA season is supposed to start at the end of October. Well, I believe, yeah, the end of October is usually when the NBA season starts. So if they're pushing this all the way to the beginning of October, how are they going to have a following season with a draft off season, this and all of that stuff? So It's ultimately going to affect the next season and i've heard rumors that next season could even possibly be canceled if this takes too long or depending on what even happens with this
1: yeah that's another reason why it might be difficult to even play this season when there's a thought to just scrap this whole season and just start the next season long schedule and just do it like normal
0: i mean isn't again i don't follow the nhl too far but i believe that's what they have chosen to do at this point isn't it that they decided to scrap the season and just move on to next season
1: I have not been following the NHL,
0: so I'm not sure what they're doing. I think that's what I've heard, because again, I haven't heard any talks of continuing the NHL or anything like that, but again, I'm not following it. I'm not really into that, so I could be I could be completely wrong. But yeah, so I, I honestly think that is the smarter decision, in my personal opinion. I think they should just kind of scrap the season, because even if, again, like you say, say Paul George and the Clippers win their first NBA championship of the their franchise, it's always going to have an asterisk fight it's always going to be considered the corona cup or whatever so it's just ultimately i think they should just scrap the season and move on and hopefully they can get it again planned and start on the normal schedule this following season
1: yeah that's one consideration i think one thing they should consider is to just drastically reduce the season First of all, having 16 playoff teams in a normal year is ridiculous anyway. Yeah. It was the last time an uh, NBA team higher than a fourth seed won it, it was 1995 with the Rockets when they were the sixth seed. when nice. Jordan was playing baseball. <laughs> so you don't need more than eight teams to determine a legitimate champion. So maybe consider just bringing the top eight teams and running the playoffs in a month and having it be done
0: with. Exactly. That's probably the most like positive option is what they should do but again do we you know everyone's just trying to make some money back because they've lost probably millions and possibly billions of dollars at this point
1: i wanted to bring up one thing about the medical side of things uh on espn they uh, gave some information about the testing they're going to test every other day and Sources told ESPN Zach Lowe that they're going to use a less invasive nasal swab, possibly much less invasive than the one that has been commonly used so far. Hmm. So this fits my suspicion that I've discussed previously, that the NBA doesn't want to know about positive results. This is unlike the general population where you want to know if you're positive or not. The Hmm. NBA, they want the test to come back negative because for two reasons. One is the players are young and healthy. They're not worried about COVID affecting them severely and causing severe health issues. Right, yeah. Even the coaches who are older are generally healthy people and they are willing. They might be willing to take the risk. The second reason is any positive test can just derail the season, can derail a team and just, just screw everything up. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want any positive tests. So if that means they test less frequently, do a nasal swab that barely enters the nose so you get a more false negatives i think that's actually what they want
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree with you We'll move on. And the next topic we wanted to briefly touch on was the Lions have reopened their facility finally, but I don't believe it's even open to players or coaches at the moment. And when it does open to players and coaches, it's just going to be limited. There's only gonna be a limited number of people in the whole facility. Again, I guess, what are your thoughts on them just opening it? I guess trying to get ready for players coming back?
1: Well, it's exciting news. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things are progressing. Uh, It's gonna be a gradual phase in, and this is the first phase, the facilities are open. Uh, the Lions released a nice video and pictures of what everything looks like. Mm-hmm. So you see signs that say "stand six feet apart, wear face masks." The weight room is closed. Uh, they showed a video of the temperature check station with a plexiglass shield. A whole bunch of new sanitizer stations. Mm-hmm. They have a new HVAC filtration system. They put in touchless faucets. Uh, one of the things that I'm just amazed by when I look at their video is how beautiful the facility is yeah uh it's just just, everything is custom it's just a gorgeous facility yeah and it reminds me of just what an enormous big deal operation the nfl is Mm -hmm. and uh, if you saw the all or nothing show with the cowboys and jerry jones their facility is just amazing it's just breathtaking how beautiful and impressive yeah
0: Mm-hmm. I know you don't really follow the Pat McAfee show as much. When they were talking about the CBA and the difference in that that point one percent or something like that, and how it was possibly almost like uh, like a billion dollars in that one and a half percent or something like that, and they started breaking down if that one and a half percent is whatever a billion dollars it was that it was just an astronomical number for like That percentage of money, and that was just a one year percentage of money. So, again, I can't remember recall the numbers off the top of my head, but again, it was just astronomical for one year of a player's salary or for like the NFL's salary cap. It's just ridiculous how much money they make off everything.
1: Yeah, it, it's stunning how much money the NFL makes, and most of it is off of TV money, dude.
0: Yeah that's where most of it comes from is all the networks paying to have that because as you mentioned before the ranking the nfl is the rankings king so they pay tv networks pay big money to get those games on their networks the fact that
1: most of the money is tv money is going to be helpful to the nfl if there are no fans or limited fans in the stadium because they, they don't really need fans to still make just a boatload of money
0: exactly Yeah, they're going to make money no matter what. And there's still obviously jersey and merch sales, which I'm sure they might end up putting on sale more often to get more sales through that way and stuff like that. So there's tons of ways that the NFL can end up making money.
1: Yeah, so the NFL is in a much better situation than, say, MLB or the NBA, which derives more of their profits from the game day experience and fan tickets. Exactly. So uh, there's a better chance the NFL is going to be able to survive this COVID thing than the NBA.
0: Yeah, they have many, many plans set up um, just in case to take different avenues that they have to. So the second topic about the Lions we wanted to talk about was um, Robert Ayers, I believe I'm saying that correctly, has come out recently and talked about his one day stint with the uh, Lions back in 2018, which was we all know Matt Patricia's first year as a head coach. And there have been tons of players who came out and even reporters who stated that his year, first year with the Lions was not the best, that he was still trying to find his coaching ways. And he basically just said that there was a disagreement between them. And then he just was basically released the next day with no explanation from either side, the team or him. But again, that's all he's kind of said at this point was there was just a disagreement. He then went on to also compliment Matt Patricia by saying he's a genius mind and a great head coach, but they just didn't agree on certain things so i guess did you have any thoughts on this yeah
1: there's not much to say here but our discussion may be longer than robert ears actually career <laughs> um he didn't mention that he had philosophical differences with matt patricia he specifically pointed out matt patricia mm-hmm. now who knows what that means but we all know matt patricia's first year was a bit of a disaster uh patricia did not Get along well with a lot of the players or the media. Yeah. Maybe even, who knows what happened, but this sort of fits along with the fact that Patricia's first year just wasn't great, and maybe Patricia said something or demanded something of Robert Ayers that uh, caused him to be not happy. But it's not like we lost much because Robert Ayers never played with any other team in the NFL since then, so it's not like we lost much by not getting Robert Ayers
0: exactly it's just sort of again i feel like he's just kind of beating a dead horse at this point because again we all know of his struggles in his first year and they've been talked about and criticized many times and he's finally again many players have come out and said that he's improved so much from year to year as a coach and just getting again getting along with players we've seen him on some of the marches with players recently as they went on so we've seen him definitely develop a better culture with his players and his team than he has in the years prior so I think I don't really feel like there's a reason for him to come out and say that other. I mean, I'm sure he was probably asked about it, but I feel like there's just not a reason to bring that up at this point. So the next thing we wanted to talk about today was also I know a lot of people have already talked about this. We're a little bit late, but Dalvin Cook is currently holding out on the Vikings, which a lot of teams are saying the Vikings are the favorite to win the NFC North this coming year. and But with the possibility of him holding out the entire season or even being traded by, from the Vikings, this completely changes everything in the dynamic of their whole offense. So I guess, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on him holding out?
1: Well, we should definitely take Glee and kind of news from the Vikings, (laughs) because no matter how this ends, it's not going to end well. Either they give Dalvin Cook a big contract, which hurts him from a salary camp standpoint, or they don't give him anything, and now he is disgruntled or unhappy for the whole year. It's sort of similar to what we had to deal with Darius Slay.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, But I'm also going to tell you why we shouldn't get too happy, because we might be in the same position very soon. Uh, so let's talk about just the general numbers here dalvin cooks in the last year of his contract which is four years and six million dollars total he's 24 years old his birthday's in august so he's still very young 25 years old this coming season so still uh, in the prime of his career he's similar to kenny galladay who's only made three million dollars over four years so Mm -hmm. they're both the second round second third round players who haven't made much money now the current running back market is you have McCaffrey at the top at 16 million, Elliott at 15 million. Then you have Levy Bell at 13, and David Johnson at 13. Yeah. And you look at Levy and Bell and David Johnson; those are warning cases for reasons not to give big contracts to running backs because mm-hmm. David Johnson disappeared, and Levy and Bell hasn't lived up to a 13 million dollar number either. Mm-hmm. So i feel bad for running backs because with uh the new rookie wage skill it works well for most positions but for the running back position it's not great because their careers are shorter mm-hmm. and their drop off in their play often isn't gradual it can be just sudden so from a player perspective it really makes sense why they would want to hold up before the rookie deal is over to make money while they're actually very productive exactly now you look at guys whose careers have just dropped off suddenly recently Todd Gurley
0: perfect example a,
1: a elite player he played the Lions and just destroyed him in that one game a couple years back mm-hmm. but really became a below average running back just almost overnight and (laughs) mentioned earlier david johnson so the most productive years of a running back are in their early 20s but that's also when they're getting paid the least and any kind of serious injury during those years can dramatically hurt the players market because their career span is so short Mm -hmm. as a running back if you're going to hold out you need enough leverage to make it work we saw ezekiel elliott hold out he had enough leverage because of how good he is uh, I think he's probably the number one running back in the NFL in the past two, three years. I think yeah. he's fantastic. And also, how important he was to their offense, as well as the lack of injury history.
0: Mm-hmm. That, so That's one of the biggest things.
1: Out. Right. Uh, another guy who tried to hold out last year was Melvin Gordon. He did not have the same career <laughs> as Elliott. He yep. wasn't as good. He wasn't as important to the offense because they had Eckler as a very good player as well. And he had a big injury history, he had a left knee meniscus issue as well as a bone bruise both of those are highly concerning for an arthritic knee Mm -hmm. and a degenerative knee sort of like a todd Mm Gurley. so that's the player perspective on things let's talk about the team perspective uh the main reason to not extend a running back is you don't want to overpay and have a bunch of future dead money and a bad contract
2: Mm -hmm. but
1: one of the main concerns that a lot of people don't talk about is when a player is threatening to hold out they might know something about their health that the team does not. Yep. So maybe Dalvin Cook can feel his knee is going bad. Or specifically in his case, he's got a shoulder issue. So maybe he knows his shoulder is just not feeling great and he knows he's not going to have a great year. So if he plays out this contract, he's not going to get a big deal anyway because he's not going to play well. Mm -hmm. so he needs to get his money now and as Lions fans this is exactly what happened with Snacks here Mm -hmm. held out last year wanted more guaranteed money we all thought okay Snacks has been a lead player for five years he should still be great for another year or two why wouldn't he be so yeah let's give him an extension let's give him more money no that's not a good idea because he knew something Mm -hmm. and we saw his play just fall off a cliff this past year Mm-hmm. so in retrospect it was a harbinger of doom when a player wants to get more money now as opposed to playing out their contract
0: yeah exactly a couple of things to look at when you're talking about some of the highest paid running backs almost all of the highest paid running backs i believe in the last 10 years have not finished their contracts they've either been cut or traded prior to finishing those big running back contracts also i think the Again, in the last 10 years, maybe even 15 going back, the only top-paid running back in the NFL to lead was Adrian Peterson back in 2011, and that was the year that he got paid, and he ended up leading the league. But other than that, I don't think, um, when I looked into it, there was any top-paid running back that finished either top in rushing or top in touchdowns in the league. It's Again, it is not very smart to pay a running back that top— money and it is notable that he did say delvin cook claims that he wants a reasonable contract he doesn't want to be the highest paid running back he just wants i think he says around 13 14 million a year but that's still a lot of money for a running back so again personally i don't think he's going to be on the vikings by the end of this season again if he holds out he's either going to be traded or
1: yeah well, let's talk about the possibility of holdout as well the new cba holdout rules are different First of all, the training camp fines potentially are mandatory. I had trouble finding the exact language, but they're potentially mandatory under the second contract. Maybe under the first contract, it was hard to tell for sure. Mm-hmm. The fines have gone up, but maybe the most, more important thing is they lose an accrued season towards free agency if they fail to show up on day one of training camp or they leave camp for more than five days. So losing a accrued season for Dalvin Cook means he becomes a restricted free agent next year, mm-hmm. which makes him subject to a first or second round of tender, uh, as opposed to being an unrestricted free agent, which would require a franchise or transition tag. So the likelihood of him actually hol- holding out are very slim. So I, I think he's threading a holdout, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. I think that's a bluff. Yeah.
0: So um, I'm not too sure. Do those holdout rules go into effect this year, or is it the following? I
1: believe they're in effect right now. Yes.
0: All right. So, yeah, that does change a lot of things, because I thought that new CBA didn't go into effect until the following year. So,
1: no, all the CBA rules went into effect right away.
0: Nice. So, yeah, that is going to change his holdout um, significantly. So, again, I guess we will have to see what happens closer to training camp and if he shows up or if the team decides to give him some type of extension or – either he's dealt out we'll see what happens
1: yeah so h- how does this uh potentially affect the lions and uh, wh- why do we care about this from a Lions standpoint uh these running back holdouts are another reason why drafting a running back high is a good idea we've talked about this multiple previous podcasts why yeah. we're happy with drafting deandre swift in the second round and why it was a really good idea now Young johnson is similar to Delvin cook they're both second rounders both on four year contracts. Kiriang's going to his third year of his contract this year. He's had a similar type of injury history to Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalvin Cook has only played 29 of 48 games. He had a history of a torn ACL as so well as shoulder and SC joint issues. And Kiriang, mm-hmm. we know if he's had some knee injury issues in the past couple years. Yeah. Let's say Kiriang has an amazing year this coming year, just a breakout year, just an elite player. What if Kiryan decides he's gonna follow the delvin cook model and threaten a holdout and cause disruption unless he gets a new contract well we're in a much better position because we drafted deandre swift we have much more leverage now because we have swift in the fold we can tell carry eh, okay we don't need you you either play it out or hold out do whatever you want we have deandre swift now uh so that's a good reason why drafting deandre swift in the second round is helpful not just for this year but for potentially future years as well
0: exactly again i've kind of realized in the last few years that running backs are similar to quarterbacks in the way i think i mentioned this on last week's episode but um they're similar in the way that you want to get the most value out of them in the first four years of their rookie contract while they're still cheap as opposed to trying to pay them top play and again you just mentioned their play can almost immediately drop off a following season depending on injuries how much they're used how many snaps they get how many like running backs again as you mentioned before they're one of the most beat up positions and their play can drastically decrease season by season so
1: yeah you make a good point that quarterbacks are in a similar situation with running backs as far as the rookie wage scale Uh, quarterbacks are also vastly underpaid if you get a starting quarterback on a rookie deal Mm -hmm. so the rookie wage scale works well for almost every position but the two positions where it doesn't seem totally fair is the quarterback position and the running back position so that's a really good point there
0: Mm mm-hmm Alright, so we'll move on to the last topic of the day. ESPN has posted their continuity rankings and that basically um, they're talking about how many players and snaps um, from the prior year are going to be returning this upcoming year and not really surprisingly the lions are ranked um, 27th overall and with only 68.7 percent of snaps returning again that's not really surprising especially considering our defense only has 59.3 percentage of snaps coming back the offense does has 78.8 so almost 80 percent that's ranked 14th in offense so again most of the offense is pretty much the same again we've got a few players who left but it's the defense and then also if you look at coordinators we only have one of our three coordinators coming back which is Daryl bevel we have two a new defensive and special teams coordinators and we only have 11 of the 17 non-coordinator Assistance returning. Also, as mentioned in this article by uh, Michael Rothenstein, he mentions that some of the potential new starters on defense have priorly played with Matt Patricia and Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, and Daron Harmon, so they already are kind of familiar, and that ease into the defense might be a little bit easier than some of the other free agents on different teams. So again, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, you're right. Michael Rothstein made a good point that we brought him players who have familiarity with the New England system. So let's talk about the defense first. From a continuity ranking from snap counts lost from last year, we ranked 29th in the NFL out of 32 teams. We lost a bunch of players who had very high snap counts. Number one was Devon Kennard who played 82% of snaps. Mm-hmm. Slay was 75%, Tavon Wilson 74%, Melvin 76%, 46 Snacks 46%. Uh, so we lost a bunch of high snap count players tavon wilson is still a free agent and he's only 30 years old so he's i think he's definitely worth bringing back as a backup safety slash hybrid linebacker role i thought he played great last year so i'd love to see us resign him now on the offensive side we ranked 14th in the nfl well i think this is slightly artificially low because our starting quarterback stafford only played 50 percent of snaps and both our backup quarterbacks are not back, so that's that's sort of an artificially low number. Uh, the other guys we lost are Glasgow, who played 80%, and Wagner, 70%. The rest of the offense is just rock solid. We're returning everybody. Our top four wide receivers are back: mm-hmm. Amendola, Galladay, Marvin Jones, and in my opinion, Marvin Hall wouldn't be number four. Our top two tight ends are back, Jesse James and TJ. Uh, three of the starters on the offensive line are back. Uh, our running backs are all back with Kerry Young, uh, Bo Scarborough, Ty Johnson, mm. and DeAndre Swift, of course. So our offense continuity is probably actually much better than that number 14 ranking.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of just... We're only ranked so low because of such a, the turnover rate, but I really think that the defensive transition is going to be a lot easier said than it looks on paper with the new players. I yeah,
1: certainly hope so because we definitely need an improvement on defense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we've almost flipped our entire defensive line besides Trey Flowers and um, Deshaun Hand. We've got, again, almost an entirely new defensive line. So I think it's going to be very end. Obviously, I I mentioned almost every single episode, our new defensive coordinator. I'm very excited to see what type of packages he's going to bring and what type of... uh, How he's going to utilize because this is his first time as an actual defensive coordinator i don't know if we've mentioned i believe we've mentioned that before but he's just been a positions coach before so this is going to be his first time actually i believe calling it and again that's a whole nother thing too i don't know if he's going to be the one calling plays or patricia's going to be the one calling plays that's still kind of up in the air too i guess we'll see closer to preseason how that's going to work out but I'm i'm just real excited to see what he's going to do with all these new players and this a whole new defensive scheme
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about bringing up Corey Unlung. I think he needs to be the MVP of this season. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have any elite defensive players joining the team. We need that scheme to change. We need it to change fast. Mm -hmm. We need to get pressure. We need to have creative blitzes. So Corey Unlung needs to have a big impact on this team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Again, I'm super excited to see what he's going to do with our new players and everything. All right. Looks like that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everyone again for tuning in. We always appreciate it. And we will see you again next time.